This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Sports Biz Pod. And today we are welcoming a very, very special guest, Ricardo Fort. Ricardo is currently serving as the Vice President of Sports and Entertainment Partnerships at the Coca-Cola Company. He's based in Atlanta right now, originally from Sao Paulo, Brazil. He's previously had positions at Visa, Kellogg, Unilever, anything sports marketing. He's your guy to go to. So thank you so much, uh, Ricardo, for having uh, coming on the show. Great. Talk to you. Awesome. So first things first, like how, how's everything going? I know it's been an interesting year, but how is everything for you and your family? How, how's this year going? Uh, and good. Thanks for asking. Uh, but everything is, is reasonably under control, uh, as much under control that as, as we can we can have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, after close to a year working from home and doing everything remotely, I think we are in a in a decent place right now. Things are moving, uh, projects are moving, so uh, we are working well despite of all these uh, challenges. Absolutely. So. Uh, let's kind of take a step backwards. I kind of want to hear about how you got started into sports. Like what got you excited to pick that? I know you're on the brand side of things, but what was that initial spark uh, maybe as a, a kid in Brazil or what was the initial draw to to sports and wanting to work in it? Well, uh, sports marketing wasn't a career uh, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So it has never been part of my consideration for, for a profession. I'm a civil engineer um oh, wow. study marketing later i worked for unilever and then Kellogg, and then i always wanted to join uh the uh, coke since i was a, a teenager because of a famous ad that coke did in brazil was a remake of uh, mean joe green that was mm-hmm. shot here in the states a couple of years before and uh that was the story of this famous soccer player giving the shirts to the small kid which happened to have the same age more or less than i was at the time and uh, since then, I thought, well, if I can ever work for Coke, that must be fun. They do, you know, things like football, soccer, which I, I was really passionate uh, about. And, um, you know, luckily, uh, throughout my career, I, I found a way to, to join Coke. I joined Coke in 1998 in Brazil, and um, I worked uh, through the ranks in Brazil and then came to the States uh, because of, you know, a, a project that I managed um, in Latin America, came here to do global entertainment marketing. Um, less than a year after I've landed here in Atlanta, they realized that being Brazilian, I should know something about soccer. So they decided to move me. And in 2002, um, I started working with, with sports marketing. I managed the, all the soccer initiatives for, for Coca-Cola leading up to the FIFA World Cup in 2016. And, I'm sorry, 2006 in Germany. And then um, from there, a few things changed. I moved jobs, uh, went back to Brazil, went to India, went to France, went to uh, San Francisco, a couple of uh, job changes over the years. And then in 2016, I came back to the Coca-Cola company after five years out to lead the team that I manage now. So I've been, I've been working for the last four and a half years managing the global sports and entertainment uh, partnerships team here at Coke. 
That's amazing. Well, I appreciate that, that backstory there. So um, with Coca-Cola, I mean, it's the number one brand and everyone around the world will, will recognize that if you kind of show it to them. So what's kind of the approach when you, when you see opportunities for, you know, uh, sponsoring uh, Coca-Cola or getting the name out there, what's kind of the, uh, what, are you, what are you looking to get out of the sponsorship or what's kind of the approach given that it's just so already well recognized? Yeah. So uh, we are, we are involved with a lot of different things. So f- for us, Every time we looked at a new potential partnership or the partnerships that we have today as they evolve, um, we are trying to uh, do a f- couple of things. So if, if, it, if there's a live event involved, of course, we want our products to be poured at the event, we want people to be able to, to buy and to sample uh, our products because this is what we do. Um, and then from a, from a marketing standpoint, we are looking for a content, content that is mm-hmm. interesting enough, that is appealing enough to allow us to tell the stories of our brands, the story of our business, and we use sports as a as a springboard for for telling things about our business that people uh, uh, should care about, should know. And uh, this is this is most of what we do. We don't we don't pay a lot of attention in you know big branding and being out there. Um, awareness is something that is not a priority for us because the brands are so well known. Mm-hmm. So we have the luxury of being able just to look at what kind of content and experiences we can create through sports. Yeah. Could you, could you talk about one of your favorite uh, content series or kind of activations that you've done that kind of either told a unique story and kind of warmed someone's heart or, or maybe went super viral? Like what was your favorite that you've seen so far? Yeah, sure. I tell you, there's a, one of my favorites is a, a program that I created um, back in 2005 uh, through our partnership with FIFA. We came up with the idea of doing this global tour of the FIFA trophy. At that time, the FIFA trophy was not very well used, was well known, but not very well used by the partners. Uh, we didn't have a lot of access to it. So working with FIFA, we decided to create this global tour. So now since uh, 2005, six, every four years, uh, we take the trophy on a branded plane and we travel the world for two, three months, uh, going to sometimes 50, sometimes 60 plus countries. And every, every place we land, uh, we give the fans the chance to see the trophy, taking photos of the trophy. Uh, we go to see the government and NGOs and customers and employees. So we create experiences for multiple constituents of our business that are passionate for, uh, for soccer. And that helps us a lot to drive the excitement to promote and to activate the FIFA World Cup that happens a few months uh, later. So that's a, that's a program that we've been doing for a while. And it's great because it's a combination of sports, uh, talks to a lot of people, uh, touches culture in different ways in different countries. So it's very uh, complex, but very uh, fulfilling when you have the chance to go through it. That's amazing. And um, kind of a quick question off of that, where, you know, especially with working with like a FIFA or Olympics, it's international. How does that differ to you kind of supporting a local U.S. event um, versus kind of going internationally? I know you, you likely have headquarters or offices, um, multiple cities, but how does that kind of just work from international business? Well, so uh, there is a there is a the, the way we work. Uh, we have um, a lot of people in a lot of countries. So centrally, we work with every office that we have to help them figure out what are the right things that they need to acquire in terms of rights, uh, what are the right events and things that people care, how to evaluate all of this. So we build all these capabilities mm-hmm. so that uh, every manager in every country is capable of making decisions uh, related to, to sponsorships. So a lot of the work that you see happening here in the States 
they happen through Coca-Cola North America that has an you know, outstanding team. They're very, very well equipped, very professional. So they, they do a lot of the work that you see every day uh, here in the United States. Uh, and the same thing happened in different levels in different countries. So of course, the, the United States is, is the, the largest, better equipped, uh, most experienced team that we have. So if you go to smaller countries, we are building capabilities, but no, they, they, are, they do the work that they have to do locally. And then when it comes to uh, multi-country or uh, so regional or global events, uh, we manage that centrally uh, because of the, you know, the, the nature of, of being in a lot of places or changing location every couple mm-hmm. of years. So we do that centrally. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, another kind of thing to transition to is I'm really curious from your perspective where on, on my podcast, I've been very fortunate to interview athletes, interview leagues, teams, kind of all angles of it um, and, and brands as well, where especially with COVID-19 and kind of how it shut down sports and entertainment uh, for that time. I'm curious from like a brand perspective, how did that, how did you kind of initially react to that? And then how has that kind of shifted maybe your plans or, or um, strategy going forward? So it really depends where uh, who you ask in the company. So if you are in a country where you have events going on every week, every month, uh, the impact is is just you know harder to manage because uh, you have you have this you no know, short term contract, you have things happening all the time, so you have to act quick to to replan and to redeploy resources uh, to to be able to take advantage of the contracts uh, regardless of the all the the the, the crisis. So uh, in, from a global standpoint, it's, it's easier to a certain extent because we have a lot of long, um, uh, long duration contracts. Mm-hmm. So we, we work with the IOC, with FIFA, UEFA for many, many events. So we know that when they postpone the Olympics, uh, our, we still have the rights to the Olympics next year mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to deliver the rights. So it is, it is um, uh, hard work just to you know, replan everything that you're doing uh, but we know that we're gonna we're gonna accrue all the rights that we uh, we acquired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it really depends where you are in this ecosystem inside the company. Um, we had to do a lot of work, not only us centrally, but you know every country to rethink uh, how you exchange value in a scenario where the events are not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I still think that from you know if you just look at the ecosystem of sports the sponsors are the ones that have been the least impacted. And if you are an event operator, have a team, mm-hmm. if you're an athlete, it's much harder for all of them than it has been for, for sponsors. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I think we've navigated this year uh, reasonably well, given all the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So, um, you know, what are some trends that, that you're looking at uh, within potentially advertise or how you can advertise differently through technology? Um, for example, you see, Esports, virtual reality, sports betting—all these different factors that amplify the sports market. How how do you um, envision that playing out, and maybe potentially attaching Coca-Cola to these up-and-coming trends? Uh, so, the couple couple of different things. Um, the I think one of the learnings from all these last few months is that there's still a possibility of of experiencing the excitement of sports, mm-hmm. even if you don't have fans in venues. We, we have always had this vision that you know, we do everything we can to make the event special, but what really matters to us is what happens outside the venues. So uh, the, the tiny share of the population that have, are lucky enough to be on site to watch the uh, game live, you now it's great and you want them to have a great experience, 
but we have you know, millions and millions and millions of, of, of fans and consumers that are in other places. So we have always had this, this idea of let's get the content, the best content we get to serve all those people, not only the ones that are on site. And I think this is accelerated. It will go, it's going to continue to, uh, to, to happen. Uh, some of the other uh, things that you mentioned, it really depends on, you know, we, we explore with, you know, with you know, AR and VR uh, uh, capabilities in the countries matter a lot, connectivity matter a lot, and that to some extent limits uh, the a global approach to this kind of, of, of initiatives. But we have done, you know, uh, through AR, you know, players and polar bears and Santa Claus coming out of the cans and and having a different uh, cool interaction with, with consumers. Uh, we haven't done that to the scale of, of the world because you know, uh, the technology is not available everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it comes to, to e-sport, we, have, you know, we are very active in, in the space. Uh, the occasion of playing or watching play is an occasion where people drink a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that's an important occasion for us as, as much as, you know, if you're, if you're having lunch or dinner, you drink something. If you're playing or watching playing, you drink a lot. So that's important. So we invest in media in occasions like that. Uh, we have work with influencers. We have work with um, the publishers. So different initiatives that we do, um, you know, when it comes to the FIFA World Cup, we work with EA, uh, the FIFA game since you know, 2000 and early 2000. So we've been doing this for, for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Looking forward to, um, it seems like the, the two biggest events that you focus on is the, the World Cup and the Olympics. Um, is that correct? Is that a, is that a good uh, assumption? Yeah, there are a couple of other things in between, but you know, the, the, the two global events are, 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 are these ones. Yeah, so, so from now, kind of building up to the event, what's kind of the process look like or what are, what are you really excited about those activations compared to how you've been able to activate in previous World Cups or Olympics or any of the other biggest events that you've, you've helped put on? Yeah, so one interesting thing is uh, for us, the, the, the Tokyo program has been ready for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are advanced in the work for, for Beijing, the Winter Olympics in 2022. We have uh, Special Olympics in 2022 as well. We have the FIFA World Cup in 2022. So for all those programs, we've been we've been actively working with them for a couple of years. Um, we've been working also with the Paris Olympics, Summer Olympics, and surprisingly enough, with the LA Olympics in 2028 because they are so ahead of everything I have ever seen. So we've been we've we've been talking very often. So uh, the each program is in a different level of development. Um, we, we were, you know, we benefited from the postponement of Tokyo in refine a few things, mm-hmm. but most of the work uh, is ready. So there's a lot of innovation in the work that we want to do, how you do torture relays or how you do the FIFA World Cup trophy tour, this kind of thing. Uh, but there's a lot of work that is, that repeats every event. I mean, we, I always like to remember, remind people of that because we, we don't sell sports, we sell beverages mm-hmm. and uh, our products are physical. They have to be distributed. They have to be in points of sale. So all the work that we do with customers and our partners, uh, they, they happen exactly the same way every, every event. You know, a couple of years before, you have to go, you meet with the customers, you see what they want, um, how we can help them grow. And uh, we design shopper marketing activities based on, uh, based on that. And then the communication, the communication follows and it really depends what the brand is doing when you get close to the, each of the events. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
Um, so talking more so about like your career, like what would kind of some advice be for people earlier in their career to break in, whether they like sports, they like marketing, like brands, whatever what would be, is there any type of advice that you've gotten personally that you've <laughs> taken into account and kind of got you where you are or, or something that you'd like to pass on? Oh, I, I was just lucky. Um, so, but what, what I see, um, what I see uh, working best for people in the industry is that just just be open minded and don't don't try to focus on I want to work for a sponsor or I want to work for a team. I think in the first you know ten years of the career, try to have as many as many experiences as possible. You now start with a try to try to start with a good agency. See a lot of clients. Uh, work in activation. Um, try to spend time uh, working with you know, the, the research team to understand how ROI works. Um, if you have the opportunity to work on a league or on a team for any team, any league, I mean, we, we are so, we are so uh, spoiled here in, in, the, in the States because we have you know, great options. You, know, you have many sports which are very professional. So try, try to work for a team, try to work for a league. Uh, when you get to work for a sponsor, then you will, be, you will be very well prepared for doing this. And you understand all the people that you're interacting with. So I think that you know, before going to, to work for a sponsor, try to, try to, 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 to have as many uh, diverse opportunities and for learning as you, as you possibly can. And then the other thing is just, you know, a lot of people like the idea of working internationally. Um, you, you have to start somewhere. You have to start uh, domestically. So yep. again, we are we have the luxury of 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 living and working in a country that has so many things going on every year. And if you look in the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, uh, we are going to host a FIFA World Cup. We're going to host an Olympic Games, and you know, there is a Super Bowl every year. There's an, all all of this is going on. So there is no shortage of of opportunities for people that want to to join this uh, industry. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. What was uh, for 2020, obviously, with uh, it was a little bit limiting with kind of ways to activate brands, but what was one brand that could be yourself personally with Coca-Cola or even just kind of a brand that you saw that was able to use limited resources and kind of capture this massive attention or any type of campaign um, purposely or accidentally that you thought was really impressive, um, especially during, you know, 2020 with with COVID-19? Uh, one of my favorite campaigns for uh, for the year in sport has been the work that uh, a fellow IOC uh, sponsor Airbnb developed. I mean, they joined the IOC recently. So I've been there for a year or so, and uh, they 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 very they very quickly adapted their platform of experiences to allow athletes to engage with their uh, their users. And I know, I know, I know the team that did the work. I think that the execution was great. It was good for the Olympics. Was good for the athletes, uh, and it was great for Airbnb as well. So uh, this is one of my favorites for for the year. That's great. Is there any type of um, outlet that's very interesting to you, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, that has been kind of uh, interesting to see what type of engagement has been uh, for content that you've seen either promoted through you know Coca Cola. Uh, you know, we, we, we follow and we use all of them. Um, it really depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, uh, I, I can give you, I can, I can answer why uh, Twitter or Instagram is great for different things. So I think that as, as we plan campaigns, as we plan things, just trying to avoid the excitement of the platform that is going to solve all your problems mm-hmm. and just be more, you know, uh, a choiceful, you know, step back and look at what each of them can, can help you deliver 
on your on your needs and uh, and use them um, in the, the best possible ways for each of the objectives. Don't 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 be too excited because there's one that is growing faster than others. All of them can mm-hmm. can help brands to do their jobs. Yeah, omni-channel. And um, I was kind of curious to get your reaction where this is kind of specific to a brand or Ocean Spray, the cranberry company, um, mm-hmm. you know, on TikTok, they almost accidentally went super viral through someone skateboarding. Like what, what were your initial thoughts on that um, kind of activation that almost happened accidentally? Uh, I, 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 I like to believe it was accidental and it was great. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. I, I watched the videos as they were being you know, uh, launched and, uh, you know, looking back is a great story. Uh, it's really hard to replicate that because as you said, accidental went viral. So controlling there's controlling these variables are so it's so hard. Uh, but I, I love the way that they reacted so quickly mm. and, uh, and, and took advantage of something they saw in the market. So they were, I mean, that shows they were connected, they were paying attention and they were nimble to react in a couple of days. So it was, it was really exciting to see the, the work unfolding. Yeah, you kind of wish that that would accidentally happen to Coca-Cola. But, you know, <laughs> it's just there's the, the um, variables, you know, you never know, but um, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I guess last like parting words, anything that you're super excited about in the upcoming uh, months to end out 2020 that you'd like to kind of give a quick shout out about? Oh yeah, just one, one quick thing. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, they, this year was really tough for everyone. I know a lot of people suffer uh, in, in, in different ways and I, we cannot underestimate the impact of the crisis for people losing jobs or and in lots of lives and et cetera, et cetera. But you know, for us, the work in the industry that we work, I think we have a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. You know, people care about sports. Um, uh, the industry is doing a good job in trying to recover and everybody's trying to help each other. And this is an industry which is very resilient. So I think that um, from all industries that you could possibly choose to work on, uh, this is the one that is going to come back the, the earliest. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic for the next year. We cannot ignore what happened, but just now looking forward, uh, sports will be back. People will continue to love sports and, and our work will continue to, be, to, to bring value to the brands and, and leagues and teams that we, we work for. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Ricardo. And for everyone listening, I hope that gave you an inside scoop on how big brands plan out for these very interesting uh, activations. So thank you again for your, for your time, Ricardo. Thank you.